Welcome to Pop Culture Roulette for all your pop culture needs. We're America's Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I love making fun of the Cowboys as often as I can, and most people don't get that joke. So this is, they call themselves America's team, so we started calling ourselves America's podcast because if they can make it up, so can we. Uh, That's fair. Uh, sports references right over my head, man. I got no idea anything about that, fucking that, the sports that, balls or the foosballs or. That's fine. Um, we this this will be a rare episode without sports. Then okay. Oh, no, we could go into it. I'm just going to be like, uh. nah, no, if there's no reason to talk about it, there's no reason to talk about it. So by now, you've probably already heard uh, this is not a normal episode. This is um, <laughs> Jeremy and Justin won't be joining us today. I'm joined by Josh Rouse, uh, director, director of, oh, man, I wrote the, the wrong, the wrong reasons. Just wrong reasons. For just clubs. wrong reasons. Just wrong reasons. Okay. And not like just it. wrong reasons, it's, it's wrong reasons. <laughs> right, wrong reasons. I'm sorry. It, it, I, I did watch it, and it was very enjoyable. Oh. And, and I've got – because uh, you, you. Put it, you put it on Tubi. I, I, I wanted to see it before, but I don't have a lot of um, extra budget. But as soon as it became available on Tubi, um, I definitely watched it, and it was it was fun. It was very interesting. Um, I've got a couple questions well, about you. it, but uh, worth watching. Um, absolutely. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. What was the genesis of of you directing the uh, wrong reasons? I keep wanting to put the. It just makes more sense. I... Sure, I feel you. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, like uh, you know, I've been working for years in the industry. I think like twelve years at that point. I'm like on year thirteen now. Um, and I just wanted to do an exercise in moral ambiguity. You know, um, what if you could have saved and it's a bit of a spoiler, you know, so cover your ears if you give a shit about that kind of thing. But it's kind of crucial when talking about the plot. Um, if you could have saved an Amy Winehouse or a Kurt Cobain or, you know, insert, you know, celebrity that died of drugs here. Would you have been doing it if it was against their will for the right? Would you be doing the right thing for the wrong reasons or the wrong thing for the right reasons? So I really kind of wanted to do something in that vein of thought while also kind of talking shit on the 24 hour news cycle. Yeah, I, I definitely, I picked up on that and it was because, I mean, you do make some obvious references to it when, when uh, the guy is talking to, to her and telling her, you know, while she's chained up, you know, about so-and-so and and, and I was like, I feel like there must be a bit of a personal thing here where like, you know, because I know that you also have a heavy music background. Um, truth, truth. Yeah, you, you, you've been in bands, you've directed music videos for bands. So I was like, there must be a personal thing here where like, you know, like if I could have done this, would, you know, would I have done it? Obviously you take some of it to the extreme, but you know. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I've been in bands since 13 years old. Uh, my first band was, uh, I forget the name, it's been so long ago, but my second band was with a good friend of mine who we share a friend with, uh, Robbie Bauer, who tattoos out of Ohio, and that's Nick's best friend, how we know each other. Okay. 
Um, so like I moved to California and I'm sure we'll go into them here in a minute. Uh, but I moved to California at 19 years old, immediately joined punk bands. I did, I went to college as an excuse just to join a bunch of punk bands in Orange County. Cause it's my favorite scene of all time. Okay. Um, and then like, you know, I, I kind of became along the way disenfranchised with the, the music scene and kind of chose instead to become a director. I got tired of having like four sweaty dudes like in a sweat box with huge egos battling over which direction to go. So I was like, how can I remain like, you know, an artist, quote unquote, I'm not really. Uh, but while also like, you know, making stuff that I find interesting to create. Um, and then I got into film and I shortly realized that you got to deal with actors. So there's just no fucking winning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess I guess you're dealing with uh, you're dealing with ego regardless. It's just a, what ego you want to deal with. I, I would say I'm sure. guessing uh, making a movie is probably less uh, sitting in a van. Uh, yes 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 100 percent. and and you're a bit more of a captain do you know what i mean like um but it's still it's still like uh you know a a group effort no matter what you do and it should be like i shouldn't be such an asshole (laughs) right like i I, like i have no musical ability i mean i played tenor saxophone in middle school and i quit because i didn't want to be in music yeah but i quit because i didn't want to be in marching band and i haven't picked it up since so i bet if i picked it up now it would be completely lost on me but that I, I feel love, you. I, I love feel music. You. I love listening to music. But I I can't make it to save my life. Like Nick, Nick did Nick. So a few minutes ago, I played my new theme song, um, which obviously you know you didn't hear because I didn't play it that it live. But it was <laughs> the best theme song I've ever heard. But uh, Nick Nick gave me a new theme song because he was sitting around in the hotel bored and he's like, "Do you want to? I, I want to do something musically. Like, do you want a theme song?" I'm like, "Sure." And he goes to his room and get hour later he texts me here you go like what the hell like like you know how long it takes me just to come up with a script for a podcast you did a new theme song in a, <laughs> i mean granted it's only 30 seconds but still or you know 30 35 seconds but you know i mean it's it sure. just and like I, i've i've been kind of binging out on on uh, the night beast um which are a lot of fun and then i did i mean i'm not as much into to punk as as a lot of other people are, I do enjoy punk. Sure. I mean, I don't, I I'm in, I'm into punk enough to know there's a massive difference between the orange County scene and like the New York scene. Sure. You know, you know but um, like, I don't know. Like I just, I'm very picky when it comes to certain punk and you know what I, what I like to listen to, you know, I definitely, I, I definitely like a lot. I I'm old. <laughs> you know, I, I, you and me both, bud. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I came to the realization, um, you know, because, you know, growing up, you you know, your parents or, you know, your dad or your mom are always like, oh, your music is terrible. Oh, how do you listen to that? And you're like, well, you just don't get it. And then at some point I realized that I must have become my dad <laughs> because I listened to this, you know, the, new, the best of us. Like I listened to the new stuff and I'm like, I get where he was coming from now. This <laughs> Somewhere around 2012, 2013, music just stopped being good. Like, yeah, I mean, I, but you know, there's always been bad music. There was bad music yeah. in the 70s and the 80s. There was disco. Um, I, there's still a great scene out there. And like, I, I've seen part of it, uh, but I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff I'm not clued into. But whatever on the radio is on the radio is generally just fucking garbage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, I have no, I mean, I do I will I do find myself on YouTube rabbit holes a lot recently 
where I'm finding a lot of, I find where I find a lot of random music that I'm like, wow, these guys are actually pretty good. Um, and then, you know, when, you know, when I find it, I'll head over to, to, you know, Apple music or whatever. Cause I, like, I I didn't make a political stance about not using Spotify like Neil Young did, but, um, I just, I just hate the user interface of Spotify. Okay. I feel that. You know, cause I felt like a bad gooey. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, Mainly, I was forced to use Spotify for a while because my my one of my favorite podcasts, last podcast on the left, went exclusive to Spotify. Sure. And then as soon as they their exclusive contract went up, I went right back to what I was using before because it was like, oh, I couldn't stand it. And maybe maybe musically Spotify is better, but for a podcast, they're terrible. Sure, I feel that. I, I even went to. Uh, I tried. Uh, oh God, what was it called? Um, there was a the one that Jay Z put out that was lossless streaming. Oh, um, it title. It, it was just title. Yeah, thank you. Oh my God, you're totally right. Uh, um, and it was like pristine quality. But man, you want to talk about a bad GUI, man? Like that was the worst interface I've ever encountered. And like it tried to pump much bandwidth i've got like a google home with you know speakers everywhere it, it just choked on it constantly and i've got a good internet connection so it's their fucking servers <laughs> yeah well you can always tell um they try to hide it um so i True. do have one question um before i get to some of them i'm gonna ask some cliche <laughs> boring questions but no i want to try to when you had in the movie you had nin news yeah any chance that was nine inch nails inspired 100% it was. I am not a Nine Inch Nails fan, though I love Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's scores and stuff. Uh, but my producer, Matt Robottom, is a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. Um, so I was like, you know, we had to get everything cleared with the lawyers, like all the, like, uh, God, I can't even remember. It's not CNN. It's the other one, USCB, oh, yeah. USBCN. All that had to be cleared. So when they cleared NIN, I was just like, are you fucking serious? We snuck this through. <laughs> So somehow they let us get away with it. So I put it in there right away. And Matt's just like, Ugh. <laughs> I'm like, yes, just for you, bud. Just for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, at first I didn't get it, but then I saw it and I'm like, he's talking about a lot of music. It has to be. There's no way that's an accident. There's, there's no sure. way. Um, <laughs> what, was, what was it like getting Ralph Garman to do a movie? Um, but then keep him on a little bit more of, I, I wouldn't say, not funny but like not letting him kind of run wild with the comedy like he's kind of known for sure i mean uh i've worked with ralph on uh kevin smith and ralph garman's podcast hollywood babylon for over 10 years now like uh ralph and i were just hanging out the other night trying to figure out when i actually started it was sometime around 2007 is our best guess maybe a little bit later than that but um he's uh as long as i've known him he's been an actor and like, I'd say it was probably nine or 10 years ago. I wrote this, the first version of the script of which there's been like 13 at this point. And I let him read it with the idea of him playing Dobson and he had notes and they were fantastic notes. Um, and then slowly, as we realized we weren't going to get $2 million to make this movie, we realized that we weren't going to get $1 million to make this movie. We realized we weren't going to get $500,000 to make this movie. I took his notes and incorporated like how to trim it down and trim it down and trim it down while keeping like the soul of the experience and the soul of his character. Um, Ralph was the fucking cheerleader for this movie. He is one of the most like, like Northern stars of a male presence I have in my absolute life. He is a sweetheart of a human being. He can be a twat. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, everybody can at some point. I mean, we sure. all have we all have those days, you know. I mean, I I I debated on whether or not I was going to bring this up because I didn't want to, you know, make myself to be too much of a nerd. But one of the main reasons bring I got it on. In, one of the main reasons I got into podcasting was Kevin Smith. Sure. Um, me and and Jeremy, the guy who I was hoping they could join us, but unfortunately, <clears throat> sometimes work gets in the way. Um, we became friends at work um, because we both discovered that we love Tell Him Steve Dave. Oh, sure. Those and, guys are great. And, and then we were like, and then we were like, we also both like geeked out over like Kevin Smith films and Smodcast and and like he wanted to start a, or he had started a different podcast and and he had me come on and he, we both had a lot of fun and we were like, we took his advice of just do it. Yeah. fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you've heard that speech a hundred times, you know, more than that, bud, more than that. <laughs> um, and so we did it and, and we've been doing it. I mean, this, so this is going to be like episode like 108, 109, something like that. Fuck yeah, congratulations. But this is technically like episode 220 something because we yeah. did we did 100 episodes. The thing fell apart. Life got in the way. I moved from, I mean, it was 30 minutes, but it was 30 minutes. I moved from a place called East Troy to Burlington. And okay. Jeremy had some life issues and the podcast kind of died. He, yeah. he, he got clean um my life settled down and we started back up and we were like we are not going to acknowledge the first hundred and we just and we started back over at one but we've been doing wow, it for a, that's been, ballsy <laughs> well and we've we've kind of scrubbed the original hundred from the internet so so that you know i feel you yeah because there's just certain we we were all three of us were in a different headspace i get that and, you know and so we were try, we try to be better people now you know i mean i get that as well like you know the times they are changing <laughs> yeah, yeah there's there's a lot of that too but uh you know so that was you know so like when i was talking with nick a couple weeks ago and he brought up you as a as a person that he knew and as a friend and i was like i like I, I knew your name he wasn't like he was just like uh most people don't know who that is and i'm like oh i know him. <laughs> i know dr josh rouse <laughs> oh uh, thanks man <laughs> so um ha is there um did Kevin give you that nickname or did you come into the, the scene with that or, or where, where, where did that uh, nickname come from? I, I brought it in a hundred percent. I'm a huge Hunter S Thompson fan. Um, and when he was uh, early in his journalistic career, he purchased from the universal life church for $25, a doctorate of divinity, um, thus legally being able to claim that he is a doctor. So of course at 19 years old, I did the exact same thing and adopted the moniker, Dr. Josh Rauch. Okay. All right. I like it. I like <laughs> I it. I'm a doctor of shit. I can marry people though. I I don't know if I can anymore or not. I was ordained when I was working down okay. in Florida, but since I don't work in the church anymore, um, I don't know if it counts. You know, I, I, I you know I don't I don't know where where legally I stand on any of that anymore. So I wasn't sure I was going to be able to bring some of this <clears> stuff up, but you said I can. Uh, the director would like sure. to shank Robbie Fields. <laughs> you are the first person that's asked me about that thank you so much for that fuck that motherfucker 10 ways from fucking sunday uh do you know who he is no i don't that's why i was wanting to know first off who he was and why you want to shank him obviously he did something oh, fuck him with a 10-foot pole so i'm not going to name the band but there was a band that is in our movie um that we had the rights to one of their early songs 
Um, and we had the festival rights, but not the, you know, in perpetuity forever, always throughout the universe rights. And like this dude, <clears throat> every band, I can't say the number, every band on the soundtrack of which there is a plentiful amount of like really, really solid punk rock bands did it all for the same chunk of change. Uh, I'd say it's called a, uh, a God, a most favored nations agreement. Okay. Um, and this guy, like at the last second, for a band that wasn't as big as the other ones, decided that he needed sixty-two thousand dollars to get this this thing. Our entire budget was ninety-two, <laughs> um, and like he like didn't say it respectfully. He came after my then wife in an aggressive way, and he used words that I'm not going to repeat because he's from England. Maybe you can say it. I don't know. Or he lives in England. I guess I should say he's not from England, but he was uh, the, the head of Posh Boy Records in Orange County. And they put out the original records of Social Distortion, Channel 3. I might be wrong when I say adolescence, but I don't think I am. Maybe they were on Frontier, actually. A lot of original Orange County bands. And when it came time to actually sign the deal, he thought he was going to get $62,000 out of me. So I went to the band. I'm like, you guys are one of my favorite bands of all time. I absolutely adore you. They're like, here's a different song and use it for free. I'm like, we can't do free. We'll pay you what everybody else is getting. But thank you for using a song that's not owned by this piece of shit. So that was like a last second addition to the edit that sent us back probably into the audio phase like a good month or so oh. um, and caused a delay and a lot of stuff that just rolled downhill after that. Because once you're finalizing and you lock and then you go back to unlocking, it's it's a whole thing. Oh, I, I can only imagine. Thank you for letting me finally get that <laughs> off my chest. I'm I'm going to tweet this out and be like, here's the explanation. Well, oh, there, no, don't, no, don't hesitate to tweet out any. I'm using you to make my, to move my name. I'm absolutely, I mean, you know, I'm not going to be shy works, about bro. that. But, Whatever um, works. I, the other question I have was uh, David Keckner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's one of my favorites. I love, I mean, he's great. I don't, I can't necessarily think of anything. He's like a, like the main, the, you know, the, the lead in, but he's so sure. good in his bit parts. Like he's just one of those, like, you know, you're going to get a great character when, you know, he shows up in something. Um, 100%. So, I was, so I was like, wow, you got David Keckner. And again, kind of like when you had Ralph Garman, you're like, you didn't really use him for what he's known for in comedy, but he's still, you know, he's still David Keckner, you know, it's still, really cool to see him in a movie sure yeah we tried to cast against type for a fair majority um but keckner is just like one of the the nicest dudes on the planet um i worked the uh because of hollywood babylon i ended up working the sound booth at the hollywood improv for like two years and change um so i put everybody up from like the rock to seinfeld you name them i put them up Chappelle, whatever uh, but Keckner is one of the few people where we would just sit and just hang out and just chill and like have a beer. Like he, he was just such an authentic dude. And we did it so many times and we just chilled that eventually I don't even remember why we exchanged numbers. And then we found out we had a bunch of mutual friends and stuff like, uh, cause I volunteer for an organization called Muzak uh, that puts guitars in the hands of underprivileged youth or a great organization. But like he started coming to those Muzak events and we started hanging out even more. Um, and he just like he was so game to do anything. He even brought his own like wardrobe to set because we were such a low budget production. And on his level, that is not something you ask people to do. And he was just like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Like he does. He does nice things about him. He does seem like a very down to earth guy. I mean, you know, I 
I, I consume media probably on a level that is not healthy, but you know, that is sure. You know, no, I have me a, neither. I have a podcast called pop culture roulette. So, you know, like this, I, I feel you. I've taken over the editing. Jeremy used to do all the editing, sure. but he, he went back to school and, and, um, he does a couple other shows. So I had to learn, I've had to been teaching myself how to do editing. So I feel um, you. I, I used to do all the editing on my own pods and like occasionally I do it for others and I hate it. It's tedious and I, I'll be on any pod as long as I don't have to edit it. <laughs> I, I've, I, I've come to enjoy editing my stuff. I don't know if I would enjoy editing other people's stuff because like I'm willing to cut myself, but like other people, like I'm, I'm so afraid of, of cutting their, you know, them. Cause like, I don't want to be seen, sure. as, like, you know, trying to step over their lines any more than I already am. Totally. Um, I feel that. But uh, so I, I will I'll try to make myself sound a little better, but I probably won't. OK, so you're doing great, man. Yeah. You're, you're natural at this. You're fun. So the, the Kevin Smith job, when when you started working or how did you get the job working with Hollywood Babylon? Um, so my I, I predate Babylon working for Kevin, um, the long and short of it is in 2005 when i decided to move to california i first took a trip with my dad and we went to uh the Volgarthon in los angeles which for those that don't know is kevin smith's like film festival of all his films then he does like some q a's and i met him there and honestly he was just such a nice guy that when i moved to california i decided like that was definitely where i wanted to go um he started having events because he had the West Coast stash at the time, right? which is his comic book shop. He had the West Coast version and they would do these uh, uh, poker nights where if you bought $300 in merch, you could play poker with Kevin Smith and get to hang out with him and pick his brain. So I did that once. And I realized that like of the 12 people there, I was the only one that knew how to play poker. <laughs> and even though I paid $300 to get in, I was walking away with like, four or five hundred so i was like not just hanging with him but kind of making bank on the side as well so i just kept doing this until he and i kind of became you know not friends but acquaintances um so when they uh when they started shooting babylon at the john lovett's comedy club around 2007 or 8 uh they put out a tweet and they were just like hey you know jc reifenberg the guy who does fat man on batman and the guy who owns scum and villainy at the time, he was running the camera crew, and he put out a tweet saying, hey, we're looking for, you know, unpaid PAs, whatever, and I was working at Sony at the time, but I had, like, enough hours to justify, like, a second job, so I just started training on cameras and training in the vocation that eventually became my career, um, and then eventually JC stepped away because he's so fucking rich and famous now. Uh, I'm not even being, like, sarcastic. Like, the dude is doing well for himself um that i just kind of became the go-to guy for all that stuff oh that's that works i mean yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm not bitching because <laughs> i i mean like when because nick sent one of the first thing nick sent me was the video that you put him in oh um, yeah um that that for my ba- buddy's uh empired yeah those that that song was really good i i really thought that song was oh. good there's um there's a podcast i listen to called no dogs in space um, oh yeah 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 i've listened to that before okay yeah um they're they're attached to the the um the last podcast guys but they did a Sounds really right. they did a really deep dive on punk jello Bof- biafra um oh for sure fuck yeah uh what uh why am i blanking on the name of his band i can remember dead his kennedys. dead kennedys i can remember his name but i can't remember the band's name <laughs> fair usually they, it's the other way around but yeah fair yeah uh, they but they did a really deep dive <laughs> on on them and a couple other big punk bands 
So like mm-hmm. they did one on the cramps I listened to. They've yeah. done a, a couple that I've listened to. I'm not a podcast guy, but I've definitely listened to a few of their series. Yeah. So, I mean, they're doing a German thing right now, but they're really mainly because he's got so many other podcasts that he works on. I think the hit that one kind of is, is just more of a passion project. So it doesn't necessarily get sure. the attention. It seems like a lot of research. A hell of yeah. a lot of research. Yeah. It, I want to do more research for my podcast and and I want to be more dedicated, but I have a 40 hour a week job. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. you know, I, I work on, I I'm a, a maintenance, I'm a service mechanic. So I, I fix and, and repair engines and construction equipment, all, mainly construction equipment. I don't, I don't do okay. car. I don't do cars. Um, I like backhoes, bobcats, no, shit small, like that. Smaller um okay more specialized uh in concrete trowels uh oh okay yeah generators. like concrete finishers and shit yeah concrete finishers stuff like that like um, i feel you i grew up doing construction so like i i'm literally down here in florida right now with my dad working on his new wood shop and he owns a construction outfit out of okay. uh, middletown ohio called roush general contracting so i grew up with all that shit okay yeah very rarely do people actually know what a like a plate compactor or a concrete tra- like oh yeah a, Oh yeah, yeah. Um, or riding <laughs> like a riding trowel or a walk behind trowel sure. or yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, you know, I, you, I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna say you name it. I can fix it because I, I have my limit. Diesel, I'm very weak on diesel, but it's a different beast. Yeah, you know, but the small gas engines, I could, I've, I've taught myself how to tear down a Honda and rebuild that. You know. Oh, good on you. Up, okay. yeah, so but yeah that takes a lot out of me so like when i get home sometimes i just want to chill with the dogs or the wife and and you know and go from there what no, the, i totally get that after after you did or before you did wrong reasons or some in while you were making it you clearly made a documentary about michael parks yeah yeah um that started four and a half years ago um for those that don't know, like uh, uh, Michael Parks, uh, famous for his role of Earl McGraw. Can you hear me still? I think I touched yeah, the yeah. button. No, I, I'm okay, I can cool. still hear you. Yeah. Killer. Um, yeah. So known for his Earl, uh, known, uh, known for his role as Earl McGraw on Dusk Till Dawn, probably one of his bigger things. If you're uh, an older, older person, probably then came Bronson as the title character. Um, he did a movie with Kevin called Tusk and it was his second movie with Kevin, but I wasn't working on red state. I, I was too green, too new to the, the situation. But when he came around for Tusk, he had just had a massive accident that nobody really talks about and has talked about publicly Our doc will eventually, uh, but he suffered brain damage and he was probably 30% capacity, brain capacity of what that guy used to be. So he had a really hard time with lines. He had a hard time getting around set. He had a really hard time in general, just as a human being. He he was out of the ICU a month, I think, like not even that for a traumatic brain injury. Um, so Kevin, like I was part of the behind the scenes crew and Kevin kind of put me on him. He parked me on parks, as he likes to say. And I became his assistant, his handler, his driver, everything. So like him and I just kind of started hanging out and like it was this grumpy ass old man and this young tattoo dude who thought he knew fucking everything. And he just like start talking to me about like, oh, you know, my buddy Lenny, uh, we hung out in San Francisco. He didn't like the cops very much. I was like, talking about Lenny Bruce? He's like, I said Lenny, weren't you listening to me? <laughs> and like he just he like he knew MLK. Like he knew fuck he was a pallbearer at fucking Lenny Bruce's funeral. He knew MLK. Like he just he, he knew everybody. I found him endlessly fascinating, and we would just sit around shooting the shit. 
So when the movie was done, like we just kept hanging out. And like I take him out to lunch like every couple weeks, and I think I moved that guy's fucking storage locker five different times for him and his wife. Like, so like I was there for the man. Like, so when it you know we were trying to get a doc off the ground while he was alive. Unfortunately, like we couldn't get the capital together. But once he passed, I hit up Kevin. I was like, we cannot let this man's memory fade away. So we started working on Long Lonesome Highway, the story of Michael Parks. And we've got everybody except for one Holy Grail interview that we've been sitting on a locked edit for five years waiting on. And it looks like we may or may not get it. But at this point, it's been too long. I need to put this project in the rear view. I'm trying to have a fresh slate of of new work. Uh, We're going to put it out next year regardless, early 2024. And it looks like it's probably premature to say, but. The distributor of wrong reasons, MVD, did me right, and I love everybody involved. They even sent me a candle for Christmas, which is fucking endearing as shit. Probably going out through them would be my hunch. Okay, all right. I, well, because I saw that you had done it, and I was like, I I knew. Well, I I heard you were working on it, so I was I I went to the website, and I was like, it made it sound like it was out already, and I'm like, did I miss it? And I couldn't find it anywhere, but. I was like, man, maybe I'm just really bad at finding stuff. Normally I'm not. No. But, but okay, so it's just not out yet. Yeah, it, it, early 2024 is is definitely okay. going to be the release. Before March, I would I would okay. guess to say. Are are you able to say the the Holy Grail interview that you're looking for or is that one of those like you got to keep it secret in case you actually get it? Nobody has asked me to keep it secret, but I don't want to upset anybody. But if you think of the his biggest career resurgence, you could probably put two and two together. Okay, that's kind of what I was thinking, but I didn't want to say yep. anything. Um, yep. But I probably shouldn't drop the name. But that if anybody can talk more than Kevin, it would probably be him. Um, oh yeah, that might be a that might be a whole like uh, part two documentary because you filled up so much <laughs> space. That's true. That's true. And like in, to his credit, I mean there was a. I was set to go do it, and then a you know a fucking pandemic happened, and that that took two years away, and he was stuck in another country. So like I'm not talking shit; it's not his fault at all. Yeah. Uh, but it is just uh, a circumstances being what they are. I kind of just need to move, plow ahead. Okay, obviously, if if you're trying to do move forward, you have ideas for what you want to do next. What's what's next on the horizon, or or do you have anything concrete enough to to go? Let's see. Narratively speaking, <clears throat> I'm working on three projects. Um, I should just concentrate on one and not like, you know, split my time uh, so haphazardly. So I'm not willing to talk about those just yet. Uh, but I am working on two, three documentaries, one of which I'm not directing. Uh, one I'm just shooting, and that's for Ernie O'Donnell, who's uh, Rick Darris. Um, and we're shooting a documentary on Kevin's new theater, of which I own 5% of. Kevin was nice enough to just gift it to me because I worked there for an entire winter for free, and he surprised me. Uh, the second one is a digital versus analog experimental doc that I'm doing, which is in the vein of F for fake if you are an Orson Welles nerd. <laughs> okay. It's a deep cut. <laughs> Uh, but basically, it's going to be one third why digital media is better than analog media or physical media. One third why physical is better than digital. And one third how through the power of editing, I convinced you of either side and kind of showing like how news broadcasts can give you the exact same 
figures and statistics, spin them two completely different ways and make you think a totally different thing than you're accustomed to thinking. Okay. I mean, I mean, I, I see the value of both. I mean, I have sure an sure. entire wall of DVD in my basement or and Blu- oh, DVD, sure. Blu-ray. Like I've got hundreds of them down there. I can't tell you how many times I've still just streamed a movie that I know oh, I own in my yeah. basement. Oh, same, same. <laughs> and it keeps it in better condition if you stream it. <laughs> yeah. That's like, and like one could, of the cruxes. I could just oh, go, go down there, but uh, I'm just going to. But it's uh, right. It's one click away. <laughs> I'm already here on the well, couch. And, like, like... It, and one of the best arguments for and against is like, you know, um, in a digital world, everybody gets a voice. In a physical world, is that a good thing? Do you know what I mean? If everybody yeah. has a voice, does it drown everybody out? Like, and and I, I think the only way to correctly ask an audience that question is to present both sides equally as passionately and then let them make up their own fucking mind. Like with wrong reasons, I know it's high fucking talking and I'm just some bullshit asshole out of Ohio. But like we didn't want to answer the question whether he did the right thing or the wrong thing. We just presented what happened and it's just like make up your own fucking mind like did he do the right thing she survived did she turn it back to drugs i don't know fucking it's kind of up to the viewer to to take what they want out of that movie yeah yeah i did i did notice there was a, a slightly ambiguous ending i mean i think it i think it comes from where where you are mentally when you sit to watch the movie as to how you take the ending of the movie because like i, I agree know, Cause I, you know, I was, I was sitting in a, like, I, I was pretty happy when I watched it. So I was like, I, I think she did the right thing. You know? Sure. Where was I? Oh man. That just, when you were talking about physical media, you got me thinking like, I used to love going to Best Buy and, and just, and digging through, through the CDs, trying to find that one. Um, yep. back in, I, I don't know how, like I look back on my time because I was in high school and college in the nineties. Like I started high school in ninety two and I graduated college in December of two thousand. Um, so my, my wheelhouse musically is that. Sure. And like I'm like, I struggle to remember how I found like, like new bands now. But back then, like I knew every band, I knew where to. How, I mean, how many albums they had, and like going to the record stores or going to because I yeah. I lived in Atlanta finding the you know the the used record stores and digging through and being like oh i finally found that one you know rare b-side or or you know sure and and how i knew that stuff even existed then i don't know because the internet barely existed and now it's like so everything is at my fingertips and i can't remember shit i feel you i I, like i used to go to uh some record store i think it was cd connection in middletown ohio and they had a book of what they could order and like I was after the Nirvana outcesticide bootleg series that Blue Moon put out in Europe at the time. And this is pre-internet. This is like fucking 96 or at least pre-internet, my availability to it. Um, but they had on there the Nirvana singles box set, which had all the B-sides to like, you know, lithium, the B-side does Teen Spirit. And like, so of course I ordered that up and had it imported from like, I think Italy at the time. Um, but I cared a lot more passionately about that shit because it wasn't at my fingertips. It was so rare. I just had to have that thing. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of scratch that ish with records now. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I, I'd have to get some friends from, 
from high school or college, if any of them were still willing to talk to me, I must have at certain <laughs> points in my life been just an insufferable asshole because like, I think about like how my thoughts on music and like where I was then. And I'm like, I'm a little more open to it now. My wife is really into country. I hate country music, but I, I, I listen to it and I can, you know, like I can put up with it a little bit more, but like I just sure. in college, I guarantee you there would have been part of me going mm, like, you know, just, you know, whatever. I just, I mean, I've opened up my ears a little bit and like, I love classic country. I love outlaw country. I love country-esque well, stuff, punk country, uh, but popular country can suck a dick. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, you're a hundred. I, and I guess I, and I draw the line and like, I have to be very careful. Like when I listen to like Steve Earle to be like, sure. He's not country. He's bluegrass or, you know, right, like, right, I want right. to, I want to maintain this, you know, like I hate country and, you know, still put up with the fact that like, I mean, I know he's a little bit more modern, a little bit more mainstream, but like Chris Stapleton is actually pretty good. Yeah, you're going to be on that side of that argument, but I'll be on the other. <laughs> I will. I mean, like, especially when he does the stuff with uh, like when he was. Well, did he do anything with Chris Cornell before Tor Cornell passed? Or was I do that... not know. OK, there because he I think he's the one that was doing like he, he did the heavy as the crown or heavy as the, you know, the and there was some. There's some of the guys, but for the most part, the, the modern stuff is just uh, like my boss listens to has the country station on and they play the same eight songs. Yeah. So I try, uh, I, think I try Park, not. Parks always had a good line. It was uh, my dog and my truck and my wife and my duck. And uh, why don't you love me, baby? <laughs> like it's just all dribble. It's all yeah. dribble. Yeah. I just, I try not to spend much time in that part of the shop. So I don't, or in that part of the building. That's fair. So I don't have to listen to that. I I put on my my Apple Music and play whatever I feel like. Today was, you know, I miss grunge from the '90s and fair. Yeah, you know, that's you know. I mean, the the last major popular music movement to happen that was worth a shit. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I was I was talking with Nick and like I I I, I challenged myself and I I picked like alternative because uh, Apple Music does their like best of alternative friend that you can pick a year. So like I started okay. with like 92 and I was like, how many, how many years can I get to before I'm like, I just can't do it. And That's I got, fair. and I got like a, I mean, I, I alluded to it already, but like I got to like 2012, 2013 and I was like, Nope, that's yeah. You know, Cause there, I mean, there's still some really good stuff that comes out, but it's harder for me to find. Sure. And, and, you know, like I work with, I work with a kid who was born the same year I graduated high school. And and like some of the music he talks about, it's like, oh, what are you even talking uh, about? Like, fair, or fair. he'll play, or on Saturdays when it's just him and I, like he'll play some stuff, and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> um, I'll tell you, I, I and I sing this the, this praise from the toppest of the highest mountain. Um, Henry Rollins has a show based out of Los Angeles on KCRW called Fanatic, and he goes through endless vinyls that are sent to him every week endless vinyls he finds on the road that look interesting or were referred to by uh you know record store owners because he lives on the road still and he plays them and he spins them and i would say i hate 60 percent of it but i found so much new music that i adore and love through it i heard ammo and the sniffers before they got popular i i've heard uh, a band called tv noise is just a little tiny band out of australia that is just fantastic it is really like like opened up my musical taste in a big bad way 
Do you remember CMJ? CMJ. I know the acronym, but I can't place I think, where or why. I think it was technically for a while. They might have changed it to mean something else. But I think when they first started, it was like College Music Journal. Okay. But they did they did a magazine. And then in every magazine, they had a CD sampler of like 20, 24 songs. Like, okay. You know, it was like, you know, and it was a different track. And half of the mm-hmm. tracks sucked. And you knew you'd never hear from that band ever again. Sure. But there sure. were a bunch, and I, I now that I'm saying it, that's how I found a lot of the stuff I was listening to. You know, okay. Be, well, yeah. that that and I living in Atlanta, I lived in like the perfect place for music in the '90s because okay. Atlanta had 99X. 99X okay. was one of the biggest alternative grunge stations that existed. They broke Silverchair, Collective Soul, Sean Mullins. Like you know, I mean, obviously Sean Mullins isn't alternative, but you know, he is. You know a little bit more indie but like they're the the level of bands that they i mean i heard our lady peace like a good couple months before they hit it big you know because the oh wow these guys were on the cutting edge of 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 everything when it came to like modern stuff i mean they they ceased to exist for a while they're trying to do a comeback but i live in milwaukee now so you know i'm stuck in musical no man land Oh, I feel you, man. I'm in Florida right now. It's the same out here, bro. <laughs> I I lived in Boca for a couple of years. Okay. Okay. I've, I've actually I've lived in nine states. I um I've lived now nice. in Wisconsin for 15, and it's unlikely that I'll be going anywhere because my wife and her entire family live here. So, and my parents just chose. That'll to, do it. My parents just chose to move here, so it's it's. Un- unlikely unless we win the lottery we're going anywhere yeah. the, the, or you the, cut all ties at once oh absolutely caution we, into the wind we've, <laughs> we've, we've already said if we win the major lottery we're buying a compound in montana and changing our name and you'll never see or hear from us again <laughs> incredibly fair we are we're open in an animal preserve or some sort of animal sanctuary <laughs> sure i feel and, that but uh, the you living in Boca? What part of Florida are you you? I'm in, in right? Northport right now, which is like 80 minutes southish of Tampa. Okay. I'm only here for uh like the next two weeks. I'm helping my dad out, like I okay. mentioned earlier. Uh, but uh, North Hollywood is where I claim to be my residence. Okay, yeah. So I, I lived on the other side of the state. I lived over okay. in the Boca Fort Lauderdale area. Um, Copy. There wasn't there wasn't a lot going on there. Like they had newfound glory. Florida. They had newfound glory, but that was about it. I mean, you know, they sure. I mean they're really good, but yeah, the rest of it was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I feel that. Um, I don't know why I wrote this note down, so you're gonna have to help me out. I wrote the note MST3K down. Oh, I love Mr. Science like a motherfucker. Okay, that, that I must because I I was I was trying to do actual research and not go into this completely like a moron um sure. and i wrote it down i love mst3k i remember back in the day when, when they had a um the thanksgiving day marathon and i would watch that rather yes. than football <clears throat> i still watch uh turkey day to this to two now like i just watched it on thanksgiving i probably should have it'd been a lot more fun i mean I, a family right uh but yeah i uh i built the robots so i have tom and crow at my house um, I built them out of not the original parts, uh, some original parts, but like uh, the engine on Tom Servo's chest. You can't like actually buy that. They don't know what toy that was from. So it's all been casts like uh, like plaster casts since the first version. Um, so I had to buy that from the actual bot maker. Hell, I made these bots 20 years ago. Um, but yeah, so I'm a, I'm a huge mystery science nerd. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, man, I can't, I would, I followed it from comedy central over to sci-fi or sci-fi to comedy central, whichever one it did. Oh, man, I think it was sci-fi to comedy if I'm not mistaken, but I yeah. could be, to- no, I think it was sci-fi to comedy actually. Yeah. So yeah. Cause I, they went, I, uh, they went KTMA to sci-fi to comedy. Okay. Yeah. My, but they, when I lived down in Florida, my friend and I like on Saturdays, rather than go out and do stuff, we'd watch MSD3K in the, in the morning or afternoon, whatever, whatever time <clears throat> it was on. We we'd quote sure. we'd quote we'd quote the lines to each other like anybody had any clue and we'd we'd tell them what it was from they'd just look at us like what are you morons like so when I go visit my dad and he had you know fucking weekend custody I would watch it on his direct TV constantly but then I go back to my mom's place and we hell we didn't even have basic cable so uh, my aunt uh, Lisa was kind enough to start buying me the limited VHSs that they had out there like. Oh uh brain won't die i think was one and fucking mitchell was another mitchell was definitely one of them oh mitchell's one of the best oh it's so good oh i guess that guy don baker fucking hated that yes i guess one of the really mad yeah he's (laughs) one of the few that actually really hated it yeah Um, what what the better to rewatch i I can't remember one of my favorite ones was puma man beer puma man (laughs) Oh, oh, I, I love, love Puma Man. Uh, tee hee hee, tee hee hee. I'm a wood sprite. <laughs> uh, the a line that I quote to this day, and nobody knows where it's from, is like, "Help! I'm falling at an 90 degree angle, breaking all laws of physics." <laughs> um, I, my favorite is from one of their shorts, and it was uh, God, it's about the rodeo, I think, like a kids' rodeo, and they're like, and the crowd goes mild. Yeah. <laughs> There was one that I didn't understand until about 15 years ago. It was the, uh, was it the giant spider invasion? I don't, can't remember, but there was, um, it, the movie was set in Wisconsin and it was okay. like the day the earth, that wasn't the day the earth stood still. That movie is too big, but it was, it, yeah. it had, it had Alan, Alan Hale. Yeah. The skipper. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. and um, like there was there, every time they had a crowd scene, they would be like, Oh, Packers, Packers, Packers. And it's like, you know, and I was like, I, ne- I didn't get it. And then I moved here. And now I'm like, nope, totally get it now. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Totally understand those references now. But yeah, they, I was they... really bummed when they, when they didn't hit their uh, their quota for the new season. That really bummed me out. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, I, I just, I, I will. I do you have a do you ever play around on Pluto? Uh, no, but I've got the Mystery Science uh, Gizmo, Gizmo, Gizmoplex app, which oh, gives me okay. like all their old shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Pluto is that it, it's free TV. I mean, it's whatever, whatever they can pick up for super cheap, but they have an sure. MST3K channel. So it's just a nice. dedicated, it's just a dedicated 24 seven, like on a loop of just, I don't know what, the, yeah. I don't know how often the it rotates, but you can just, sure. I just, I'll just put it on and watch it for 10, 20, 30 minutes at a time or, you know, Oh hell yeah. when I'm just trying to waste time for a few minutes, but, um, all right. No, I feel that. Well, before I take up too much of your time, um, Oh, you're good, dude. I'm, okay. I'm in no rush. I'm still on West coast time and like I'm on the East coast. <laughs> so I stay up late, probably pissing my dad off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, th- I think we've touched on it a little bit already, but what, what feeds you not like, you know well not physically but like you know emotionally spiritually physically <laughs> and well physically i mean I, I don't need to know like what you're i'm not asking if you like buffalo wings or pizza but like what what <laughs> feeds you like you know, what keeps you going creatively 
uh, honestly, just creation itself. And I know it's so fucking high fluting and I sound like such an asshole saying it, but like I've been making a lot of uh, <clears throat> music videos. I did 10 music videos in the last year, the last calendar year. Uh, but when I'm not doing that, I'm making cigar box guitars with my dad. Uh, when I'm not doing that, like I'm writing. When I'm not doing that, I'm shooting documentaries. When I'm not doing that, I'm, you know, I, 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 I'll help a friend move. Like, honestly, just anything that that accomplishes a goal probably distracts me from depression and hell. <laughs> um, so it gets me through the day and it, and it just fuels me and it makes me so happy to just make shit. Shit that wasn't there before. And, you know, like I've done 10 music videos. I'd say four of them I'm incredibly proud of and six of them I'm proud of. Uh, but like I shot a music video for, I don't know if you're familiar, William Elliott Whitmore this year who like he's one of my favorite artists of all time he's kind of country but i I would call him bluegrass just to get away with it uh but he's also got like a punk tinge to him but we shot it on super eight and like i flew out to iowa to go shoot it with him and i didn't charge him a dime because he gave me one of his songs for wrong reasons dirt cheap like cheaper than he had any right to so i was like look i got you for the next one don't worry about it Went out there, put myself up, shot it on Super 8. Super 8 is incredibly stupid and cumbersome and expensive. And I got to do that for him. And it cost me, but like he offered to pay, don't get me wrong. Uh, But I wanted to do it to repay a favor. And it comes out, I think, in February. It's like one of the longest, like, I don't think his album comes out until January and it's the last single. But it was the most rewarding thing I think I've ever done in my professional life. Like, and it just makes me endlessly happy to say, I did it and I did it for free. Ah, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing and or seeing that. Thank you. Um, I don't charge my friends money for music videos. If they promise me a test pressing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Um, Just to, because I ask everybody this one, uh, if you could wedge in any, anyone in history, who, who would it be? No, Uh, no, no. No, um, let's see. Who would it be? Um, you did pregame me on this one, and I fucking forgot to fucking do the reference or the math. So let's see. Um, probably Robbie Bauer. Okay. Uh, Nick's good friend. He is a. Uh, we were in our first band together, the Jackoffs, at sixteen years <laughs> old, and he has came to uh, it within his community, um, in in Dayton, Ohio, uh, specifically the Oregon district. He is like the premier, I, I will call him the premier tattoo artist in Ohio, period. Um, but when he walks around, everybody's just like, oh, my God, hi. Oh, my God, it's Rob. Oh, my God. And it, he's like the mayor of the town. So to give him a wedgie in public, I feel would take him down to what he what he actually is, is just a, a, a little kid who just needs to be taken down a peg because fuck him. Nice, nice. I, I do <laughs> love that. At, I mean, and at 16, you guys probably thought naming your band the, the Jackoffs was... We was, were so yeah. hardcore, bro. <laughs> uh, was, you thought you guys were probably, like, the ultimate, like, this was the funniest thing of all time, and you were so, like, ah, oh, and really... We know. were so juvenile. <laughs> at, at one point, we played a show with a band called The Wankers, and we were just like, what are we doing? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I... I do you um David Letterman used to have uh like dice that he would he would spin um on and it would be like to name a band and I can't even remember some there was some really weird like he just put like eight or six different names and he would always just and they were just like yeah all right that's actually it'd be a pretty good band name but <laughs> oh fuck yeah 
but it's also probably how like the arctic monkeys got their name you know like <laughs> probably because <laughs> otherwise <laughs> that makes no sense yeah agreed all right any fictional world that you could live in Ooh, ooh! satellite of love like in the mystery science universe like i just want to power around with two robots and watch bad movies all day and crack wise like you know what that uh that's a better answer than i think i've ever gotten and i'm gonna have to change whatever <laughs> i had been given to that that does sound amazing right that's it like no worry about fucking like women or like anything just watching movies with your two best friends that you made and like oh god that sounds fucking magnificent What what was yours uh, I don't know if I've ever... No one's actually turned that question back around on me. I mean... Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, good on you for for, for thinking. I I don't know. Like, I mean, part of me thinks, like... Um, like, I, I've watched a lot of, like, classic TV. Um, so, like, Bewitched might be a lot of fun. Just because... Oh, the, that'd be cool. You live in a world where, like, that, like, is a reality. Yeah. Like, you have... Magic is possible, yeah. Magic is possible. Um, <laughs> and your wife's super hot. <laughs> you know elizabeth montgomery i think would would be you know pretty pretty high on the list if she was alive you know like like in her current in her state from that show to now like if she you know i think she would be you know yep stand right there next to some of the ones that are on tv currently so um yeah i don't know though i mean you know like my my initial would be like i want to be in the marvel universe but if i'm not okay. one of if i'm not one of them yeah it would be terrible. Yeah. Totally. Like, your house could be wrecked at any given point by right, a superhero or like a villain. Every, every other week you're calling your boss and telling you you can't make it because the bridge got blown up again. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. You know, so unless unless you're one of them, living in that world would be awful. Um, so, yeah, I don't Truth. know. Like, you know, living in a world where any problem that comes up gets solved in 30 minutes might be fun, you know, and there's I magic, that. you know. Um, all right. So I what? that. Normally, I don't uh, ask this question, but I because I, this is one that I do on my normal with, with Jeremy and Justin. What have you been watching recently? Like, what have what have you? Ooh. I've been trying to do more movies before I came out here because I knew I was just going to be working with my dad. So, like, I watched Killers of the Flower Moon. I actually went and saw The Long Goodbye, which is like a 76 film with Elliot Gould. That is the very famous detective that I can't think of right now um shit what was his name fuck can i bring it up i cannot um let's see what else have i been watching i watched a bunch of michael park stuff recently because i miss him like some episodes of then came bronson specifically the one where um uh um kurt russell had one of his teenage roles uh um which was just their chemistry is just fucking fantastic what else have i been watching I honestly just news i watched the boy and the heron recently because like i'm not a animation i'm not a non-american animation guy per se so i'm trying to find stuff to broaden my horizons a bit more um and that was fucking it made me cry it was so fucking good mainly just new releases and stuff more than anything okay yeah is not one of the one of the people that listen to my podcast challenged me to uh like have a section where we talk about stuff that we've been watching and like where to watch it you know, and I was like, sure. oh, that's actually smart. I have a pop culture podcast. I shouldn't just talk about because <laughs> I I decided to binge out the monsters because like I, I have Peacock okay. and Peacock has a lot of really old stuff. And for some reason, like I just spent a lot of time and I was like, I uh, 
I was like, wow, here I am running a pop culture podcast, but all I'm doing is watching the monsters and old quantum leap. And <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Night court. Yeah. Did you watch the Munsters reboot that never went anywhere that became like a TV movie with Jerry yeah, O'Connell? I, and it would have been, I fucking love that. I thought it was really interesting and I think it could have gone somewhere. And I think if totally. it had if it had come out like a year later or two years yeah. later, where like Netflix or Hulu or somebody could yeah. have picked it up, I think it might have gone somewhere. But it was in that yep. like in between time. Yeah, where and also they had a big regime change at Universal to where like the guy that took over Universal's CEO just fucking shit canned it and destroyed. They built that entire fucking Mockingbird Lane, like, and they just shit canned it overnight. Yeah, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that like shows that only made it for a season um, that had Mm -hmm. they like had Firefly come out like ten years after. Sure, I think it would have made it would have been done really well on you know not necessarily hbo but like a netflix or or peacock or somebody would have done sure. because i think had chucky tried to come out like 10 years ago it never would have made it yeah but because I we agree. now live in the world of streaming where you can put something out like that i mean and i have nostalgia <laughs> right and and nostalgia i haven't i have not had a chance to sit down and watch chucky yet uh but my wife I had, watched she, the show yeah she really enjoyed it so okay I mean, I, I speaking of one seasons, I'm the world's biggest Briscoe County Junior fan. Oh, <laughs> like, I love that show. A couple years ago, uh, Bruce Campbell put out a tweet where uh, he was talking about rebooting uh, Briscoe County Junior, and I was Hell like, yeah. "Yes, it's going to happen! It's finally!" And then I realized what day it was, uh, and, and I was like, "Damn bastard. you, damn you, Bruce Campbell! <laughs> damn you, Campbell!" How dare you mess with my feelings <laughs> on April 1st and not make me think. <laughs> yeah, that's just cruel. Yeah, expect, I mean, you know, like, I, I don't know. I get, I know it's his thing and he was probably just having fun with it. But for those of us that were legitimately, like, big fans of Briscoe County Jr., like, that was, it was a little painful. It was a little hurtful. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. That's rough. That's cruel, bro. So, um, I mean, I, I could probably sit here and talk about a whole lot of other stuff, but, I mean... I don't want to keep monopolizing your time since you were very nice enough. Where, um, where would you send people to look for your stuff or, or where, sure. would, where would the, you want people to find you? Um, all of my stuff can be found at anticurrent.com, A-N-T-I-C-U-R-R-E-N-T.com. Um, that's like my multimedia website, kind of my reel, so to speak. Um, you can find wrong reasons at findcatodin.com, cat with a K. Um, if you just Google it on, honestly, you can buy, if you're a physical media nerd, you can buy it on DVD or Blu-ray on Amazon for like 18 bucks. If you're a real nerd, you can go to Kevin Smith's secret stash website and you have to Google it. I think it's Jane Silent Bob's secret stash. And you can find copies for like $35 signed by me and Kevin. Uh, if you're a streaming nerd, I would say try to go to Apple TV because they're only the only people that have it in 4k. If not, stream it wherever the fuck you can. And it's on Tubi now for free. So if you didn't have faith in me to begin with, enough to actually spend the $10, friend. Uh, <laughs> no, fucking like it's it's for free on uh, on Tubi. So good. I hope everybody checks it out. I don't care yeah. how they watch it. I, I don't care if they torn it. I, I just, I, I would love everybody's eyes on it. Uh, it wasn't a matter of not having faith in you. It was a matter I'm of- I'm fucking with <laughs> you. I'm fucking with you. <laughs> 
but no, I don't care if they torn it, man. Like I, I yeah. honestly, just as long as they watch it, like I, I didn't make this to make money. It's not going to make money. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, having Kevin, don't Smith tell the financiers. I said that. <laughs> well, I mean, I have a listening audience of about 20, so, you know, I think you're good. Um, I can increase that to 25. All right. Yes. <laughs> In the big time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well then, yeah, most, I guarantee you most of the people who listen to this show who aren't brand new to the episode, um, uh, already know where, how to find Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash. Uh, last, uh, actually, I guess it was about a year and a half ago now, but it, cause it wasn't the last summer. It was the summer before, uh, when I knew my parents were getting ready to move my, my wife wanted to go to DC one more time. And okay. so, um, she, we, she figured out how close Atlantic city was. Okay. She's like, let's go to Atlantic city. And I'm like, eh. and then I was like, no, no, hold on. I will take you. I to know Atlantic where this city. is going. I will take you to Atlantic city and I will let you spend as much time or whatever you want in, in doing what you want to do. I get one stop, but I get one stop. Actually, I told her I get two stops <laughs> Two. that yeah, makes two, sense too. Two, two stops. We're going to secret stash. And then I'm going up going to, to quick then I'm going to general store. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I, so I, I wanted to meet Walt and get him. and. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought it'd be quick stop. My uh, I don't, I mean, I probably should have gone to quick stop, but it, it was, I I'm a massive talent. No judgment fan. here. I, I love, uh, I love uh, all those guys. The, those guys are all absolute sweethearts. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been listening to, well, I mean, I've been listening to tell them Steve Dave longer than it's been when, you know, they got their start on Smodcast. So, you know, sure. Yeah, for sure. So it was, it was nice to uh, walk into the store and meet Walt and, you know, he's a curmudgeon. You gotta love him. I I'm, I I feel like I, I feel like I made a fool of myself, but I guarantee you, he doesn't even remember I was there because I probably, you know, he's Walt. Like, I mean, he's, well, you no, can't get him excited about much. No, and I knew that going in, but it was just a matter of like, I there was, you know, you just, you have a thing of like, you know, oh, you want to do a certain level and, and you get there and, you know, I just, I don't, living in Milwaukee, I don't get a chance to meet a lot of, of you know, quote unquote famous people and, and you sure. know, granted, like, if my wife had walked in there, she would have been like, oh, this is just a guy running a store. She has no idea. Sure. Is. She doesn't care. But like, I'm like, that's, sure. the, that's the guy, like, you know. Tell him, Steve, Dave. Oh, man. All right. I, I have an ending to the show, and I normally okay. find a segue to get there. But when I'm doing an interview or when I'm when I'm not with Jeremy and Justin, I always sure. stumble over myself. So okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to rehash my own ending from a couple weeks ago and just be like, if you've been doing this show for a couple years and you still don't have an ending that makes sense, just remember, stupid never walks alone. I dig it. Comic books have been around for almost a century, and in the last two decades, we've finally gotten to see many of these characters brought to life in movies and on TV. On the Moving Panels podcast, we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. Join me and my guests as we discuss both the good and the bad from Marvel, DC, and even some of the lesser-known comic book companies. Learn what is and isn't from the comics, as well as our nerdy review of the movie or show. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So join us for Moving Panels, and I'll see you on the other side of the page.
life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to an 80s flick flashback podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes, VCRs, and the video rental stores? Does the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? My name is Tim Williams. I'm the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host to discuss one of the many movies released in the 1980s. We share our first-time watch memories, our favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. New episodes are released every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an excellent episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. The ad is over. Go home. Go.